Interesting thing about singing songs together, if you really let your mind go and free its thinking processes from all that's on your heart, it, it can just fill your soul. And I just trust you're moving in that direction. and Lord of my life.
Father, we trust that this singing is pleasing to you. And Father, I am certainly encouraged by it as I hear this student body lift their voices in praise to you with a full voice, trusting that it comes from a heart that loves you. You are our Lord and our King, and we bow down before you to worship you. And thanking you, Father, that you are so worthy of this worship, that in every respect you are worthy of worship. There has never been a time since time began when you have not been worthy of our praise. And it's just our privilege to adore you and to thank you and to exalt you and to lift you up. In your name, amen. The first person we'd like to just share a little bit is Coach John Zeller. And we asked John to share just because um, so many wonderful, wonderful things are happening in John's life and in the life of his family. And I especially uh, am looking forward to hearing what you're saying, John, because of uh, the weekend we just shared. Uh, the athletes, some of the athletes went away and we were up on the Kern River r- rafting. And if you haven't been with John Zeller, then you may not know that he is one of the most hilarious people on the face of the earth. Welcome, John Zeller. Well, uh, I'm not really hilarious, uh, and uh, besides that, it's Russ Moore and Harry Walls who bring out the worst in me. So, I really thank God for the opportunity to, to stand before you, and uh, I want to tell you that um, it's a real privilege to do so because of what God has done in my life in the last year. I, I could probably stand here and tell you for an hour what God has done. And I just want to tell you, above all, that God is so good and so great. I came last year uh, from Tennessee and... Um, It was a big move. I never thought in all my wildest dreams that I'd be in California where sin is rampant and the devil is in control and my kids would grow up wearing sunglasses and all kinds of things. But it's just amazing what what God has done. Um, I came here last year and and, uh, just really thankful to be a part of this college. But I got to tell you, I made some serious mistakes, mistakes that that I really thank God that He allowed me to make because, as a result of that, God has worked some great things in my life. Uh, he taught me some things that I needed to be taught, and it's tough when God has to teach you things. It's tough when God has to stop you and say, "Hey, I want you to look inside of you and." I want to see what you've done. I want you to see that. Uh, mistakes of character, mistakes of integrity, mistakes that really hurt this college, the administration, and you, the students. I could have done two things. I could have said, you know, I really didn't do that, and it really wasn't that bad. But I want to tell you, One of the biggest lessons God taught me was that God is holy. He's a holy God, and He can't accept 
unholy acts. And uh, God dealt with me on that. And I was, I'm very sorry for some things that I've done, but I'm also thankful because, again, what God has taught me. But you know, when, when God reveals those things to you, He not only shows you mistakes you made, but He gives you the grace to overcome those. And He does that through His love. And I guess the second biggest thing God has taught me is that He loves me. He loves me so much that He's not going to allow me to make mistakes and get away with it. He's not going to allow me to just live a life that's not pleasing to Him because He wants the very best for me. See, the very best for your life, the very best for my life, is a life in which we honor and praise God and worship Him every day. And we can't do that when there's some problems in our lives. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to sound, uh, you know, this is... Uh, feel sorry for John Zeller, but uh, I don't know any place in the country, no place in the country that has meant more to me than the Master's College over the last year. People who love me, people who've helped me, you know, and sometimes, again, help means that people have to confront and uh, say, hey, take a look. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for the leadership. Uh, sometimes as Christians, when mistakes are made, we have a tendency to, to withdraw from them, kind of shy away. And I tell you, I really praise God for the spirit of you students and the spirit of administration that has helped me. I've been studying in 1 Corinthians uh, in my Bible study, and I can't tell you another thing that, that has meant a lot to me is just a Bible study, a real Bible study, not just reading it. Not just looking at it, but really going through the Word of God and trying to get something every day. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 says that we are servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. I made a vow when I was in college that I would serve God and I wanted to, be, I wanted to serve Him in Christian education. And I, I love the Lord. I love Him for all He's done for me. I don't know anybody that could put up with me outside of God. I mean, you know, we're so, I'm so sinful. I'm, I'm so wretched. And, uh, you know, left alone, I'm just going to go down. And, and I just thank God for all He's done for me. All He's done for me. And one of the things I, uh, that really helped me, in the very first of the year, if you remember, a chapel and, and Russ was speaking, and, and he talked about making decisions and acting and, and, and you know, when some, uh, you have to make a decision what to do, whether it's right or wrong, or, or that the temptations come. But don't act on emotion. Act on the fact of the Word of God. And, you know, I love the Lord. I want to serve Him. I think this is the greatest college in the world. I think you have a tremendous privilege to be a part of a college that, that where the Word of God is supreme, where the Word of God is a foundation. And, and people are interested in, you know, whether you have your hair cut right or whether you go mix women or whether you wear pants or don't wear pants or, I don't know, I mean, they want you wearing pants, but, uh, 
you know, they're not worried about those things. What they are worried about is what is the Word of God doing in your life? Where is God in your life? Where's He at? And I'll tell you, I, I just, uh, you know, I just can't say all that's on my heart, but I just want to say that I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful for what God has taught me. And I just challenge you to look in your own heart. Don't run away from the mistakes you made. Don't try to rationalize and say that, uh, well, I'm not that bad. Uh, you know, it's not really that bad. I'll change. Uh, face them. Look at them the way the Word of God looks at it. And I'm going to tell you, God's love will help you. God's grace will help you get through each day. And live a life that's pleasing to Him. And live a life as a steward, as a servant. And as a steward and a servant, we are to be found faithful. Faithful. And I don't know of no other privilege. I don't know of anything greater than to be a steward of the mysteries of God. To help people see God for who He is, Jesus Christ and who He is, and what He can do for their lives. Thank you so much for being so kind to me. Amen, John. Thank you for sharing. Well, it's by His grace, amazing grace, that we live and have our being and Got a
Well, I've asked Mark Tatlock to come and share, and I thought it was fitting that I choose Mark just because, well, a lot of reasons, but one of them being that he's a senior and that he's been here through the, uh, the transition, and I also believe that God is working and has been working in a very mighty way. So welcome, Mark Tatlock. Thanks, Les. It's true, I'm a senior and I'll be graduating in a couple of weeks. You know, that just offers itself to a time of contemplation over the past four years and what I've come through. And it's been an intense four years, four years that I really truly praise God for because I've seen Him work in my life in, in aggressive, exciting ways and also in the hard times. And let me tell you just a little bit of my personality and how that characterized my first three years here. I was independent, aggressive, and always looking to succeed in whatever I did. I pursued positions of leadership and um, not as much academically as I should have, but in those kind of areas I always pushed myself because I found a lot of significance in those areas. And um, let me just share this with you. There's something that's been really important to me, uh, a principle that a friend shared with me. I was really struggling on what God had for my future. Between my um, sophomore and junior year, I was ready to, to declare a major. And I was talking to this friend, and I was really stressed out over what I was going to do and decide to do. And they said, well, tell me this. Are you sure you're where you're at right now because God's put you there? And I looked back over the circumstances that brought me to the school, and there was no doubt in my mind that God had me here for a purpose. And my friend said, well, what causes you to have any doubt that God will not be as faithful in the future in taking you where you need to be? And it was from that moment on, I really discovered a confidence that I can step out in faith and follow the Lord. He's not going to leave me. And just a song that, that's been really important to me, the words, um, Growing Stronger by the Imperials. It says, when I stop and look around me, and I see how far I've come, the road ahead gets to looking long, long, but I've only just begun. A voice inside reminds me that I haven't come alone. You wouldn't bring me this far just to leave me on my own growing stronger through all the battles that I win, and it goes on from there. And I realize that I, I always have to be looking to grow closer to the Lord. Those battles will come in my life, and I've always got to pursue knowing Christ better and that His strength will come to meet those situations. And so I begin about that time looking at each semester. I take a semester at a chunk, and I, I figure out a goal and a plan. And as I've shared with you before, my plan for last year was to learn how to share my faith. And God was truly faithful in, in teaching me that and, and giving me a little confidence in that. I came to school this semester, I mean this year, and my goal was to how to develop that into exactly what God had for me for the future, whether it be missions or um, in the lay field. Um, I was pursuing a career in law for three years. But just within the last year, God's really laid a burden on my heart to preach His gospel, and so I'll be continuing going to seminary next year. But a verse came to me. I realized I had all this stuff together. You know, I was really accomplishing. I was taking steps in my spiritual life. I'd conquer evangelism, missions. I'd done all these kind of things. I thought I'd, I'm almost there. But I realized the one thing I needed to make it really real in my life was compassion. And so that became my prayer for this year, and especially this semester. It's a prayer I'm thankful I prayed, but I don't know that I'd do it again. And... Uh, and I look back, and a verse that has really meant a lot to me through that, that showed me the example of Jesus Christ, is in Mark 6, 4. And it says, And Jesus, when He came out, saw the multitudes and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And He began to teach them many things.
And I realize that there is a world hurting out there, but I've got to understand the compassion that Jesus Christ had. Because I can be confident and have all these other things and aggressively pursue them, but unless I truly have the compassion, it's not going to help me much because my heart's not really in it. And I realized the key to compassion was to understand God's love. It's something I really didn't understand to that point. I knew He'd saved me. I knew that He loved the world that much. But because of my personality, finding my significance in my positions and my friends and, and being independent, I spent probably one of the, large, large, the hardest semesters of my life this last semester. And that's because God had to take those things, a lot of them, away from me. I had to become dependent on the people around me to get me through some hard times. Um, you know, I wasn't finding significance in my positions. It was hard for me. And I realize now what it was because I prayed that prayer for compassion. And I realized that for me to understand God's love, He had to take me down to a level where I didn't have to earn God's love for any reason. God had to love me just being totally insignificant. It couldn't be because of what I'd ever done. And I realized that so often my love is contingent on the situations around me. But the love of Jesus Christ isn't. It's absolutely contingent on nothing. And kind of this past semester, He's had to reduce me in my own mind, in my own standards, to nothing. And I have to apologize if I've been up here in front sharing times and I conveyed that I'm something super spiritual or something better than the rest. It's not. It's been out of excitement and a heart, I believe. But again, God had to take me there. And I can truly understand that He has to love people for who they are and where they're at. And um, that's meant a lot to me. Because I understand God's love a little bit, but it hurts for me to understand. Some people might have to deal with it in another way. But for me, the significance has, can't be an issue in God's love. He has to love me for just the sinner I am, the human that I am. And I praise God because that's the most important lesson that I had to learn at this key point in my life. Because if I'd gone on without learning that lesson, I probably would have led a very unfulfilled life, spiritually and just successfully. Because I would continue trying to find my significance in the positions. And so I just say to you, honestly seek out God's love and how that can be applied in your life. And uh, maybe you want to take the chance and pray the prayer I did. But hang on to your seats because it will probably be a rough ride. And um, I just have to stand here and praise God for loving me enough to bring me through that. This is really weird. I didn't, you know, plan this. I had no idea what you are going to say. But here's this next song. It's kind of right down that same thing.
The next two songs will really focus on God's holiness. that's just so pregnant with truth. almost feel like preaching one of these things. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who writes these, but they knew their theology. Holy, 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 
ladies now. Father, there's power in this group of people as they in unison would lift their voice to you to praise you and in some small way try to communicate something about your holiness. And Lord, it baffles us to to try to do that. It's beyond our human ability and yet you've taught us certain things about yourself and we take that from the word of God and put it to music and sing it back to you. But your holiness means so much to us. It's that which tames all of the other attributes and uses them only in perfection, only for those things which are good. It's that which keeps you from being corrupted by your own power. You're never carried away with yourself. You never act in your own interest that would be in any way different from what your holiness would require. And so we do sing of your holiness. And we thank you that in Christ, by his provision, by his death, by his sacrifice, we can be hidden in your holiness. That he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. And we think of the massive deception and emptiness that the world experiences on a daily basis. We remember John Stead's message Monday in thinking of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. And we understand the world to be engulfed in that pursuit and there is nothing there but death, nothing there but hurt, though there may be temporary satisfaction. And how we see in our own lives, we're so susceptible, even as Christians, to selling out to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life. And yet, even as Mark has said, it's as we pursue you and the relationship with you that there is life. There is not life in pride. There is not life in accomplishments. There is not true significance in what other people think of us. 
our life is completely bound up in you. And we so often forget it. And we just ask that you would call us to that in even more powerful ways. As painful as that process may be. Thank you, Father. In your name. Amen. Well, we wanted to hear, too, from uh, the staff. People who aren't faculty, people who aren't students. And I couldn't think of anybody better than Ron Searles. Welcome, Ron Searles. Just share with us a little bit about what you have seen God do through you and in you and here at the college. And I, I it's news to everybody, I think, that um, God's calling you into the mission field and that this summer you'll be heading off to be with um, Mission Ready or the Master's Mission. So maybe you could just kind of help us get a perspective on what God's doing in your life as far as what it's been here and what you're anticipating in the future. All right. Yeah. Well, to, to uh, give you a perspective of my future, I have to give you a little bit of my past. Uh, I came here in 1979. It was my first year as a freshman, and I was intending to be here one year, and I'm still here. <laughs> I got a different plans for me than what I thought. After my freshman year here, I took a year off, and I went to Africa. I took off by myself and went over the mission, worked with some missionaries over there. And I built them a house and some apartments and did just about everything I do around here, but I just did it over there. It's a little more difficult. And I'd tell you, if anybody wants to grow up fast, move by yourself to Africa. I'll tell you, that was the hardest year of my life, and it was at the same time the very, very best year of my life. I grew up so much, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Ever since I've been back here in the United States, I've always wanted to go back there. My, my heart's been to go back there but I just had to wait for God's timing. So I finished up my school. I graduated three years ago and uh, stayed on here at staff, but really not knowing how that's pursuing my goal to get to the mission field. And I kept telling myself, I'll be faithful in little, and then God will give me much to be faithful in. If I'm faithful in little, I'll be faithful in much. So I told myself, be faithful in the little things of every day throughout my time here. And eventually, God's going to show me what to do. And a few months ago, He did. But before that, a dangerous thing happened. Um, I got comfortable here at the school. I got really comfortable. I mean, I got my little house. I got my dog. I got a car. I got. Um, I don't. Have, I don't even have to wash my own uniform. That gets washed. I don't have to fix my own food. The cafeteria does that for me. And my money comes in, and I don't have to pay rent. I mean, I've just got it made here. But things were too comfortable. I've got a picture at home that I took when I was over in Africa. It's a picture of the dormitories of the Bible school over there. And probably one main thing that wants to keep me going back over there is that picture. Because I see what they live in. And I think, how can I commit my life to being here in the United States, working at the Master's College on air-conditioned dormitories with carpeting and everything you want, when I know that these people are living in, I mean, whole families are living in little mud houses. Now, there's a place for that. And some people should be here working. And, you know, that's legitimate. But for me, I can't do that. My heart is my heart is there. And uh, a few months ago when I first met Paul Teasdale, well, I was working here. I told myself, I'll be faithful in little until God shows me what to do. And I knew that when that came along, I would realize it. Well, the first time I met Paul Teasdale, I knew that that was it. 
this man was the man after my own heart. Just the things that he said, the, the philosophy of missions that he had. That's really what I want. It's a man I want to pattern my life after. And uh, so two months ago, I started making my plans to go to Mission Ready. And in three and a half, no, two and a half weeks, I'll be leaving here, graduation day, and I'll be making my way to Mission Ready in North Carolina. I plan on being there one year and then probably going somewhere, maybe back to Africa. I'd love to go back to a little country I was in called Rwanda and spend a few years there. And uh, from there, I really don't know. I have to see what God's got in plan for me. But ideally, I'd like to be back training other men to do the same thing, whether at Mission Ready or with the program here or some other type of thing. But that's what God's called me to, and I can't do anything else.